Welcome this morning, guys. I am, I tell you, in the midst of all this, it's been chaos like all of our lives have been turned upside down. This is an amazing thing that there's no uh, one person's had their life turned upside down. Everybody else is okay. And so let's all pray for that person. It's been a season where everybody's life is uncertain. Everybody's life has changed in one way or another. And it's, it's, it's a good thing, I think, for us to all be in this same place. I haven't seen, now I'm, I remember all the way back, the very first time I saw our country as a whole come together was when the astronauts landed on the moon. I remember where I was. I remember watching it on TV, little tiny black and white TV, by the way, for those of you who are like, what's black and white? I don't even know what that is. That was a time when everybody in our country knew what was happening. We were all in it together, and we felt so much like a, a, a nationwide community that's just been amazing. Since then, there have been some terrible things that caused us to come together as a community. Um, 9-11, the things that happened there, and there have been a series of other things that have happened. This, though is the only time that I can remember that we were such a global community. No matter where we are in the entire world, we're all going through similar things. We're all struggling with similar things. And as a whole, we're pulling together in ways that that I have never seen before. And I'm not sure we'll see them after things get back to normal. But I'm excited now. We are starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. I know it's one of those things like I picture when you're outside and it's been cloudy for a few days and you look up and you're looking at the sky and you start to see a little bit of lightness in the dark clouds and you're like, is that blue sky I see? I'm not sure. But it just lifts your spirits. And I'm in this place right now where I'm just seeing Uh, spirits be lifted all around me because they're starting to be a path forward. We're starting to see that. And I think it's exciting. And I am so looking forward to the day very, very soon when we get to celebrate together, when we get to come together as a body and celebrate our Lord Jesus. And that's what we're here to do. So more than that, um, if you have a comment of, of something or a testimony of something great that has happened to you through this. There's so much terrible, ter- the terribleness, if they invent a word, that's going on through this. But there's also good. There's also good things that are coming out of this that wouldn't happen any other time. If you have a testimony of how God has been good to you, how your community maybe has come together, how you've been able to to maybe minister to your community or friends or seeing them ministering to each other in ways that we have never seen before, share those. Put those. Pastor Gabe talked about our testimony board that's, that's on our website. Or you can even comment in this feed. And let's encourage each other with the good things that are happening around us because there is so much. For instance, last weekend was Easter. Now, for, for my entire uh, career in ministry, Easter has been a source of, um, I'll just be kind and say heartburn for me. It's been a matter of making sure the chairs were straight and the carpet was clean and all the little minutia details were, were in order. And then, oh yeah, let's deliver an Easter message. 
this time, we were able to just focus on the gospel message of Jesus Christ and him resurrected. And it was so refreshing just to be able to get to do that. And I'll tell you, as a church, Discover Community Church, on that weekend with that Easter message, we reached over 600 individual devices logged in. Now, some of those were individual people looking on their phone, but some of them were rooms full of people who were watching on that device. So at the very least, 600 people were reached with that Easter message, and that is far beyond. That's at least twice what we have uh, had in previous Easter's where we would have reached. So God's using this. God's using this to get his message out there. We are delivering food pantry bags uh, to people who can't get out. We have had our community step up and deliver. So we've had to shut off all of our pickups from Food Bank of the Rockies so we can't access them anymore for our supplies. And yet God is providing through you, through your faithfulness and through your deliveries, we're not seeing any shortfall. In fact, we're still able to ramp up and serve more and more and more. So this has been a great thing for those. Now I'm looking forward to getting past this. I grieve for those who are having their lives turned upside down, those people who are sick, those people who have loved ones who who, uh, are maybe sick or affected or maybe even lost in this. We grieve for those, but we know that God uses everything for good. So, hey, I want to get into the message. I've used up a whole bunch of my time, so I hope you got all afternoon to hang out with us. Um, We're going to get into this message. It's a new series that we're kicking off this weekend. Again, there's so much heaviness that's going on. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much turmoil Wouldn't it be great to know that there's something that we can count on? Wouldn't it be great to know that there has always been something that we could count on? Now, God's word is that thing. And we can turn to that word for encouragement. We can turn to that word for a rock to stand on, something that's unchanging. But also, when necessary, that is a word of correction. And I hear people talk about this thing that's going on right now, and some people say that, this is end times, and this is things, I would call it more of a correction. I think God is using this to refocus our minds and our hearts on what's important. So we're getting into this message now. This message is called Trey Asar. I'll explain that in a minute. Trey Asar, the 12. Now, when you think about the 12 in biblical context, what you're going to think of immediately is the 12 apostles, right? This is a little bit different. This is a teaching on Old Testament prophets, specifically what are called the 12 minor prophets. I'll explain what that's all about a little bit later. But it's important. We're teaching this now because we need a clear path forward. So much uncertainty, wouldn't it be great to just have a path and know how we should respond and how we should move forward? That's why we're doing this now. These 12 books, now I call it the 12 minor prophets. They're called minor prophets because their books are a little bit shorter, not because they're any less important. But these books, they highlight God's sovereignty, his holiness, his love for his people in in such a concise way that I think it's important to understand. So here's some of the themes. If you've never heard of the 12 minor prophets, the 12 minor prophets Themes like, here's some of the themes that are contained within these 12 books. God's passionate love for his people. Natural disasters during a time of national prosperity. Social justice. 
spiritual poverty, hypocrisy, the importance of obedience, hope in adversity. How about doubt and faith in struggles? Perseverance when you're tired, and then giving God our best. Always be ready to give God our best. Thank you, Pastor Gabe. God has been trying to correct our path from the very beginning. We had our lives laid out for us, and of course, immediately we stray from the path. And so God has been, from the very beginning, trying to correct our path and trying to get us back on the right path. And in the beginning, in the very beginning, we had no law. We had no written law. So it was very difficult to have a compass or a moral compass or to know how to react in certain situations because we didn't have that written law. In many ways, we lived like rats in a maze, just following our basic instincts, find food, find shelter, find companionship, these sorts of things with very little moral code to go along with it. God's correction at that time for his people was mostly in the form of pain, negative consequences for acting incorrectly. That was mostly how we were corrected. Then, then, God gave the law to Moses. We often think of the law as being a negative thing, but let me show you how this was a good thing. God gave the law to Moses. Now, if you want to read about this in your Bible, you should have your Bible, by the way, if you don't, grab it. Exodus 31, 18 reads like this. When he had finished speaking with him, that means when God had finished downloading this information to Moses upon Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written by the finger of God. So here's the result of that. Now that we had clear laws to follow, we could also be held accountable for breaking those laws. Anytime we strayed, we could be held accountable. In fact, Paul, the Apostle Paul, later on said this in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, said, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. The law was our guardian. It actually protected us until we could be made right through faith in Jesus. So until Christ came, the law was given to Moses, and the prophets were given this task of, from time to time, issuing God's correction, or sometimes just reminding people of what God had told them, what the instructions were. In fact, the word prophet, the word prophet itself, is used over 300 times in Old Testament Scripture. Very a prominent, prominent feature of Old Testament scripture is prophets and prophets' words of instruction, prophets' words of correction. In the New Testament, it's about 125 times that it's used. So still did not diminish in importance, but now we have Jesus to focus on. So back to Exodus, back to the first, I think the first scripture that we've got on the screen here, Exodus 7.1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I make you as a god to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. 
This is, I believe, the first use of the word prophet. And that word there is, is nabi. It's a Hebrew word. The word prophet means nabi. And what it essentially means, it's, um, it's a spokesman in context. But more importantly, it's used as a verb to, to bubble forth or to pour forth. Meaning God's word literally pours out of these people, meaning they are not the source of it. They are merely the outlet that God's word bubbles forward from. The same root word, if we remember back in Numbers, where the rock, just a rock, their spring comes from the rock giving life to the animals, giving life to the people. That word spring, that's the same word as prophet means to bubble forth, this life-giving, in that case, water, but word bubbling forth. That's what prophet means. God sent prophets all throughout history, really, at strategic times to correct his people. Each one had a specific purpose, had a specific time, and a specific people that he was speaking to. It was very, very focused. Now, these prophets, you've heard of many of the prophets. Some of them are what's called major prophets in, in the category here. So we have like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Those are what are known as the major prophets. And many of us are probably really familiar with their teaching and have heard messages on them numerous times. They're called major not because they were any more important or any more significant, but because of the length of their writings, the sheer volume of their writing. They're called major. Now, there are several prophets, 12 in our case, whose writing was much more laser-focused and concise. Okay, just concise, not, not short necessarily, but brief and to the point. Okay, brief and to the point. In other words, not a sword, but a scalpel, able to cut just as deeply, but right where it was needed, right where it's needed. Now, these, these men, these, these 12 prophets specifically, again, called minor prophets, sometimes they're called the 12, and for our purposes, for this message, the Hebrew word for the 12 is Trey Asar. So Trey Asar, that's why we get the name of our series here, Trey Asar. So now you've already learned something, so you can seem smart when you talk to your friends. Uh, I need more than that to seem smart, but we'll just move on. Why study these short writings? Why study these short writings? Now, who has heard this particular scripture? Let me share a scripture with you. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Who's heard that scripture? Many of us probably have, right, in one context or another. That is from a minor prophet named Hosea. There's so much knowledge. There's so many great things in here. So I want to give you all a quiz. Now, if you're at home, if you're one of these people who have pulled up the version notes that Pastor Gabe talked about, no skipping ahead because all the answers are in the version notes. Can anyone name the 12 minor prophets? Who here can name the 12 
minor prophets. Let me give you a little quiz. True or false at home? True or false? Obadiah. I'm hearing a lot of trues. Augustine. False. You guys are pastors in here, by the way. I have three pastors in the room right here, and they're all giving me the answers. I know you know, or at least I hope you would know. Okay. Joel. True. Jonah. True. Aaron. False. Amos. Hosea. Micah. All true. Amos, Hosea, Micah, all true. Asaph. False. Nahum. True. Zephaniah. True. Enoch. False. Habakkuk. True. Haggai. True. Lamech. False. Zechariah. True. And Malachi. True. True. How'd you guys do out there? Yeah, I know some of my pastors in here got at least one of those wrong. Now, these prophets, these, these men all had a word of God, a specific word of God for a specific time, place, and people bubbling forth from them. And they delivered it obediently. So for the next 12 weeks, we're going to look at these pinpoint words and how they are every bit as relevant for us today as when they were first spoken. That's what this series is going to be about. Now, before we get into the individual prophets, I want to talk about a little bit of division. Now, stay with me here. This is going to get really geeky, okay? So I, I tend to geek out on this stuff. I hope you feel kind of the same way I do, and I'll try and move quickly for those who don't geek out on this kind of thing. A quick explanation of the Hebrew Bible and how it's laid out, okay? Now, who knows the word that the Hebrews use for the Bible? It's the Tanakh. They use Tanakh, and we've got that on screen. Tanakh. Now, the word Tanakh, you would think, is a Hebrew word. The word Tanakh is not a Hebrew word. The word Tanakh is actually an acronym. It takes the first two letters of each section. The Hebrew Bible is divided into sections, and it takes those. It's, it refers to this. The first words, the T-A, Torah, or teaching. Okay, the Torah is the teaching segment. The Nevi'im, Nevi'im, which is the prophets. Okay, so there's T-A-N-A, and the last one is the Ketuvim, which is the writings. Okay, that's where we get Tanakh. Okay, it's the teaching, the prophets, and the writings. Now, the teaching, the Torah, is divided. It's the five books of Moses. It's the first five books of the Bible. That's what is called the Torah, okay? That's the teaching. That's the law as it was given to Moses. 
The next part, the prophets. The prophets now is even subdivided into two more parts. There's the former prophets, which consist of Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings. And then there's the latter prophets, which are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then the Treasar, or the 12 minor prophets, which are actually their own book within that book. Then there's another one, the final section here, if you will, called the writings. The writings consist of Psalms, Lamentations, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Estra, Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, and First and Second Chronicles. Okay, so this is kind of how it's it's laid out. Now, the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, orders these things in a specific way. Okay. The Septuagint, which is the first Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, orders them in a different way. And then the Bible that's been canonized, the Protestant Bible that most of us are using, order them in yet a slightly different way. Okay, So it's not important how these are actually ordered necessarily. And because of that, we are going to talk about the 12, the 12 minor prophets, We're going to talk about them not as they're laid out in your Bible necessarily, although it's close. We are going to talk about them chronologically in terms of when they were prophesying in their regions. We're going to do that because it's going to be important to see who their contemporaries were. Who else was prophesying at the same time that these men were? What was going on in the world? What was going on in the kingdoms during these times? I think it's more... Uh, conducive to us understanding what's going on if we do this chronologically. Okay, so if you're just following through in your Bible, we're gonna, it'll look like we're jumping back and forth. We're actually going chronologically. Now, I'm going to go down a list real quick here of the 12 prophets, the 12 minor prophets, and we're going to talk about, um, first of all, we're going to talk about how to actually pronounce their name because we say Obadiah and Joel and Zephaniah, that's not really how they're pronounced. Now, I'm going to do this one time, and then I'll probably slip back into how we all typically say it. You don't have to say it that way. But I do want to take the effort to actually explain how, how to speak them in Hebrew and how, how a Jewish person would, would say these names. So we're going to talk about them. Number one, the very first prophet we're going to talk about, and we'll actually do a whole, a whole message on them next week, is the prophet, we would call him Obadiah. Okay, Obadiah is actually pronounced Ovadia. Okay, so the prophet Ovadia prophesied to Edom. Okay, that's who he prophesied to at about 850 BC, approximately 850 BC. The major theme of Ovadia's prophecy was how God deals with pride how God deals with pride within us. And a major scripture, we're going to put these up on screen, at least just one example of a scripture from each one of these prophets so you can see. Ovadia 1.15 says, For the day of the Lord draws near on all the nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your dealings will return on your own head. Okay, that's, that's a, a well-known scripture from Ovadia. Next one, the second one is Joel. We would call him Joel. Pronounced accurately, Yoel. Sounds like somebody from Superman, right? 
Yoel. Yoel ministered to the region of Judah at about 835 B.C. There's a range there, but about 835 B.C. His major theme was just a wake-up call. Wake up, everybody. You're in a fog. You're going through life on autopilot here. Wake up and be intentional. This is what Yoel teaches about. And uh, Yoel 2.28 says this, It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. That's from the prophet Yoel. Now, the next one, prophet number three is Jonah, or as they would say in Hebrew, you're following a, a kind of a theme here, it's, it's Yonah. Yonah ministered to Nineveh at about 784 B.C. Many of us know kind of the story of Yonah. The major theme is just one particular man's struggle with God. Struggle with obedience, struggle with faith. And this is the theme of that book. Now, Yonah 1.17 says this. Again, many of us know this story. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Yonah, and Yonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Okay, very, very well-known scripture there. Next one, number four of the 12 minor, Amos, okay, Amos, pronounced Amos, okay, ministered to Israel at about 763 or so B.C. His major theme of his prophecy was how God sees us. I know what we think of ourselves, but how does God see you? This is what the prophet Amos uh, uh, spoke to the people of Israel. And Amos 8.11 says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. This is from the prophet Amos. Now, next one, number five, Hosea. Very familiar to a lot of us, right? It's actually pronounced Hosea. Hosea ministered to Israel again, just as Amos did, about 755 B.C. So they were contemporaries there. Major theme of Hosea was just a love story. Just a love story, illustrating God's great love for his people through a love story of human beings on earth. And one major scripture or well-known scripture from uh, Hosea, this is 4.6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Sounds very harsh, right? It's not in context. We're going to talk about that more when we spend a whole weekend on Hosea. Now, next one, number six, is Micah. Micah, pronounced Mika. Mika. Ministered to Judah at about 735 or so BC. The major theme of his prophesying was what God expects of his people. What God expects of us. And a well-known scripture from that is, is Mika 5.2. Micah 5.2 says, But as for you, Bethlehem, Epathrath, too little to be among the clans of Judah, 
From you, one will go forth from me to be the ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Very familiar scripture, probably to many of us. That is from Micah. Now, the next one, <coughs> excuse me, prophet number seven is Nahum or Nahum, pronounced Nahum, ministered in Nineveh about 650 or so B.C. His major theme is what hurts God's heart. What hurts God's heart? And I think many of us know instinctively that it's, it's our disobedience and our failure to show love towards one another. We're going to explore that topic a little bit more when we get to the whole week on Nahum. Now, the, the well-known scripture there is Nahum 1.7, which is, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. Very encouraging scripture. I love that one. That's from Nahum. We're going to talk about that when we get there. Now, the next one, number eight in our list of 12. We would pronounce it Zephaniah, okay? And from here on, probably most of us will continue to pronounce it that way. It's Zephaniah. Zephaniah ministered to Judah at about 635 B.C., 625, 635 B.C., His major theme was how God works in our lives, how God works through us. And a major scripture there, a well-known scripture, is Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. I love that. That's always been one of my favorite scriptures. That's from Zephaniah. Now, number nine, Habakkuk, right? You can just read that word and know you're never going to get that one right, pronouncing it right. It's actually Habakkuk, Habakkuk. Ministered to Judah about 620 or so B.C., and his major theme is our doubts and questions about God. Is it okay to have doubts? How we all do have doubts. Is that okay? How does God feel about our doubts and our questions? And one well-known scripture there is Habakkuk 1.5. Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days. You would not believe it if you were told. Not very well known, but I love that scripture, and it's got a wonderful theme we're going to talk about when we get there. Next one, number 10 in this, is Haggai, okay? It's pronounced Haggai, Haggai. Haggai ministered to Judah at about 520 B.C. or so. His major theme is simply how to persevere when you're tired of persevering, how to move forward, how to move ahead when you just don't feel like you have the energy or the will to do that. How appropriate for us in the times that we're going through right now. And a major scripture from Haggai is this. Haggai 2.5 says, as for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. Very, very encouraging. I love that one. Now, number 12. We're down to two more. Number 12 is Zechariah. It's really pronounced Zechariah, Zechariah, 
ministered to Judah at about 520 again, so a contemporary of Haggai. His major theme is just simply this. You are God's people, so act like it. Very short and to the point. You are God's people, so act like you are. Well-known scripture there is Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Many of us have heard that scripture. Did you know that that's where it came from? Then the last one, the last of the 12, the Treasar. The last one is Malachi, okay, pronounced Malachi, Malachi, from Judah, minister to Judah, at about 437 B.C. It was actually the last of the prophets to speak to the Hebrew people. His major theme is simply this, God deserves our best. God is a good God, and he deserves nothing less than our best. Now, many of us have probably heard this scripture taught in church before. It's Malachi 3.10, or Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. I love that. So I hope that's it for the, for the Treasar, the 12, the 12 minor prophets. I hope after hearing that that you're as excited as I am for the next 12 weeks as we go week by week with each one of these prophets exploring the message that they had for the people of God, the pinpoint, scalpel-sharp message that God had for his people. See, one of the one of the highest callings that a pastor has, I believe, is to preach the whole counsel of God. So these scriptures are not always well known. These minor prophets are not always very thoroughly taught, if at all, in churches. But I believe that all scripture is profitable. All scripture is God-inspired. All Scripture is the sword of the Spirit, and the Spirit will use it to guide us, to direct us, to correct us. So, if you need a rock to stand on in this storm of uncertainty around us, if you need a clear path forward, if you need to hear what God says, the inside scoop, if you will, on here's what's happened, and here's what I want you to do about it, then join us for the next 12 weeks. A scripture that frankly surprised me, because it had been a while since I read it when I was studying this, from Amos, Amos 3.7, says this, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. You want the inside scoop on what God thinks, on what he feels, what he says? Let's look at what he says to the prophets and their voice through him. I'm excited for that, and thank God that we have that word to guide us today. Because I don't know about you, but more than ever, I need something 
unchanging, something I can count on, and something that will give me a clear path forward. Can I get an amen out there where you are in your living rooms? Can I get an amen on that? So, hey, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. I want to close this message. The worship team actually told me earlier this week that they were going to do this song, the next one that they're going to, to play for us. And it, it quotes some scripture from another Old Testament scripture. This is from Numbers. Numbers chapter 6. Many of you know, uh, know it as a benediction. It's actually Aaron's blessing is kind of what, what it's called. And it's, it's God's word saying, Tell Aaron to bless the people by saying this. It's directly God's instruction. And I want to read it, and in fact, I want to pray it over you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance towards you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Church, God wants nothing more than to bless you. And in times like this, blessing looks like peace in your hearts. It looks like a supernatural peace and a joy in times of this, an, able, an, an ability to pour out love to one another when your own house seems like it's on fire. When your life feels like it's falling apart, do you have the supernatural ability to step outside of what's going on around you and love others? To see peace in a storm, to see calm in a storm, to do as Jesus commanded and commanded the waves to stop. He wasn't concerned about the waves. He knew that wasn't the problem. Can we look beyond our circumstances and see a higher calling for those who call ourselves children of God? That's my prayer. And that's my prayer for you. We're gonna take communion together right now. If you're at home, and you have either some of the cups from last weekend or you have juice or whatever you have, grab your communion elements right now. And we're gonna take communion together. So when the disciples gathered together with Jesus, they had no idea the significance of the last meal that they would share with Jesus. But Jesus gave them bread. He broke it and gave to them saying, this is my body. Take it and eat. And then he took the cup of wine, the cup of the new covenant, the new covenant that even though he explained it again and again to them, it wouldn't be until after he was gone that the fullness of the promises fulfilled through Jesus would become known to them. But he said, take and drink.
we can all thank Jesus that it's through what he did that we have direct access to the Father, that we are made righteous, that we are made whole. Every one of these promises in the Old Testament, every one of Jesus' teachings in the New are for you. And if you are a follower, a believer, and have faith in Jesus Christ, declare him as your Lord and Savior. Those prayers, those promises are for you. And church, that's something that gives me joy. I hope it does you too. Let's enjoy some worship together. Worthy is the Lamb. 
Your throne. 